Welcome to a fresh perspective on business technology. This is Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise. Presented by Rising, a Wipro company. You'll hear from business and technology innovators who know how to use the latest technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, how these technologies and strategies can be shaped to your business needs in your way. Help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Bonnie D. in the house fading the music. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are coming to you live stream panelists. I want you to wave hello to LinkedIn, please. We're on the Rising LLC channel and wave hello to Facebook. I've got a couple pages and wave hello to YouTube as well. This is Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise, and we have a topic that's near and dear to everybody out there. I don't know anybody, right, Robin, right, Randy, right, Cheryl. I don't know anybody who doesn't do retail. We buy things in person, online, omni-channel, whatever it means to you. We're all out there somewhere. But what's going on with the industry? And I'll just give you a couple of items of breaking news that are not in the show prep, Sherry. But I had to tell this. Macy's <laughs> Macy's announced they're closing 150 stores. They're going to be downsizing. They're going to be uh, closing 100 stores in the next few years. They'll have only 350. And they're going to be promoting their Bloomingdale's and Bloomingdale's. Blue Mercury brands because they feel luxury has outperformed the Macy's brand. Oh, everybody say, oh my, oh my, oh my. And they're going to be opening 30 smaller stores in the next two years. And they say smaller stores outside of malls, fewer employees, less inventory. Oh my, oh my, oh my. And at the same time, another newsmaker hit the news today. Wendy's is going to start Uber surge pricing in 2025. So Robin, if you want a burger on your way home or whatever you've got, <laughs> I'm just picking on you because we both have red hair. So I'm sorry. You That's will right. have you will have to put up with if you're there at rush hour, wherever you are, noon rush hour, lunch rush hour, drive time rush hour on the way home, you might pay more. And the the label, the big digital board will tell you what the pricing is. So those are two of the retail notifications. Now, we're talking about changes in technology because that's what we do here in Rising Evolution. And uh, Robin and Randy don't know this. Sherry has been familiar with this for a while. I go to ChatGPT and ask it to help me write an, uh, a monologue, an intro for the show. Robin, I have a little verse about you. I have one about you, Randy, and one about you, Sherry. I know, Robin's excited. Uh -oh. So. Let me read this. And when I call your name, just wave hello. Here we are. So welcome, esteemed audience, to Rising Evolution's Grand Stage with host Bonnie D and her scarlet mic poised to engage. Yes, I am. Today, a dive into AI, machine learning's bright cheer in retail ERP's future, transformation draws near. As thought leaders, Robin Barrett Wilson, wave hello, Randy Evans and Sherry Ann Meyer unite, exploring the retail landscape, insights take flight. Here we go. Optimizing operations, firsthand experiences they will share on future-proofed retail. Is it? <gasps> Buyer beware? Robin Barrett Wilson, fashion industry's insider so keen. Now as director of customer engagement, she is seen. Robin, welcome. Randy Evans, retail leader with decades of lore in SAP America's retail. He sees innovation in store. That was a pun, Randy. Sherry <laughs> Ann Meyer, tech influencer who's paid her dues, managed a store for women's clothes and also sold fashionable shoes. There you go. I wrote that one. ChatGP didn't. <laughs> On Rising Evolution show, A Symphony to Unfold, future-proofed retail will ERP and AI bring gold. Robin, what'd you think? I loved it. I think it's great. I think it's Thank great. Thank you. Thank you. I will I, tell you though, Bonnie, I don't know if you saw Women's Wear Daily said more stores were open in the past two years than ever before. I know Macy's is closing, but others are opening stores, which is pretty fabulous in my opinion. I happen to love stores. So. Well, I think your opinion is the opinion of all of us. As we want to see commerce, we want to have places to go and buy. And even though uh, one of the retail gurus says people are buying more because they think they can, it's because we want to. We want to. Retail is very emotional, I find. Okay, so let's go around the panel. Robin, I just gave a half a sentence about you, although it was in verse, and I, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Robin, I'm putting you on speaker view. Would you please do us the honor of introducing yourself? Take about your three minutes. Condense everything you've ever done in your entire professional life in retail, Robin, into three minutes and just regale us. So Robin Barrett-Wilson, welcome. Go ahead. Thank you, Bonnie. I appreciate it. Great to be here. So I've been in the industry since uh, I graduated college, right? Went to school for fashion, 
Uh, I ran stores for Victoria's Secret. I was a buyer for Macy's. Uh, and uh, I also worked for VF Corporation and I was a rep for them. And I had the JCPenney account. That was the first 10 years of my career. I did uh, a lot of technology for about 18 years, always working with fashion and retailers. Then in 2015, I opened my own women's clothing brand. I did that for four years. I had a few stores in an online business and I produced a line of clothing and I helped wholesale business. Uh, in 2019, didn't quite work out the way I hoped, but that's okay. It was a PhD in retail. And uh, I went to SAP as the fashion industry advisor, working very closely with Randy. And I recently stepped into the role here at Rising in September of last year. And I work with fashion customers to ensure that they get everything they can out of their implementation of their technology. Thank you very much, Robin. You certainly know your way around retail. Um, styles and everything, as as the changes come, as Fashion Week comes and goes, it's interesting to see how this industry keeps up with the whims, with the wiles, with the supply chain issues, with the fashion statements, with who wants to wear what, and do we all really want to look like the models on the runway? Well, maybe I used to, but not anymore. They tell us we have to look like that. That's true. It's very very much dictating the trends they want us to buy. And it's like, hey, I do radio four times a week and it's always a black dress. And sometimes I change the color of the rose and this is my uniform. And Robin understands because she's got a beautiful black dress on too. Randy is wearing black today. Sherry, what's wrong? Anyway, Sherry, we love your beige. We love your beige. Randy Evans, it's time for you to introduce yourself. Randy and I go way back. And Robin, I was at SAP for nine years. I started... SAP Game Changers Radio there and turned it into 48 series over the years. And we did have a show on retail for about a year. I did a reach, so I probably crossed paths with you, maybe sort of, kind of. So thank you. Randy Evans, let's catch up. Tell everybody what you've been up to and why you're here. Randy, welcome. So Randy Evans, thank you, Bonnie. It's good to be back. Um, uh, My role at SAP is, uh, the title is Industry Advisor Food Retail. So I focus on all of all food, uh, actually food, drugs, and convenience, the three commodities, food, alcohol, and drugs. So it's, uh, I've got the, I got the best job in the industry. Um, I've been with SAP for 17 years. Before that, I worked in the grocery business. I worked for a grocer in South Texas called HEB, um, was there for 10 years. And before that, I was with American Stores, which is the parent of Jewel in Chicago, Acme, Philadelphia, and the former Lucky Stores in California. Um, One of my claims to fame is uh, the first 25 years of my career, uh, I was in the meat department. So I am a a meat guy. I'm proof that a meat guy can spell SAP if you (laughs) spot me the S and the A. Oh, Randy. I'm I'm the, uh, I like to tell people my role is I'm the translator. I speak Japanese and I speak grocery. So I can sit in in a room and listen to a business executive tell me what they're doing and understand it and then translate that into what what our solutions would do to to facilitate that work. So it's it's a great job. Love it. Wonderful. Good to love your job. And Randy, have you seen, talking about food retail, have you seen a lot of changes in your industry, in the food industry? It's been spectacular. Um, The the COVID, the COVID devastation that hit a lot of industries was a boom for food retailers. Um, People found that they had to, had to eat. Um, They couldn't go to the, they couldn't go to Wendy's because Wendy's was (laughs) closed. And so they had to go to the grocery store. So it's been a been a wild ride. And I guess a f- industry fact that it's it's uh, there was lots of speculation at the time that that the online or the digital food shopping would hit 35, 45 percent of the volume. And while for a period of time during COVID, it kind of hinted at that. Um, since the lockdown ended and we're back to normal, um, people are back in the store. So it's. It's not nearly as voluminous as was anticipated. But the shopper, whether they're in store or online, is now digital. And that's a key distinction. It's not necessarily a a store or not store conversation. It's how they are shopping. And that's digital. I want you to come and talk to the food lion on here. I'm living in a a kind of a, it's a peninsula or an island in it's Teleco in Tennessee, near Knoxville. 
And we have a local store. It's the only one on this island. You have to go across a bridge past Helico Dam to get to Lenora City where every shopping center and every everybody's there. So I went to the store manager. I befriended her. And I said, why can't I order online and just pick up at the door? Why can't I do that? She said, we've been talking about it for a long time. And we don't have the space to pack and store the groceries for you to pick them up. She said, I'm working with a, a lunch area for the employees thinking of turning it into a pickup area where you could order online and then just pull up your car and, and do that. And I can't believe in this day and age that this store and Instacart won't even go there. It's very strange. There's no way you either go there in person. However, this is a store, Randy, where if it's teeming, pouring rain, I mean torrential, and you can't even get out to the parking lot. They will loan you a huge golf golf course style umbrella, and they will let you walk to your car and back your car up to a protected area next to the main door. Robin and the manager and her staff will come out, and you flip the trunk of your car, the manager and the staff will come out, and they will put your groceries in the car for you, take back the umbrella, and you can drive home. Well, that happened to... Is that something, Robin? That's that's, that's customer full service. full service, customer service. Absolutely unbelievable. So I'm willing to forgive them for not having online ordering and Instacart. I actually like the store. Thank you, Randy, very much. And uh, appreciate your multiple views of retail. We do have to eat. Sherry Ann Meyer, uh -huh. you're here so often. Now, Sherry, I ran the frequent guest ometer. It's an ometer, Hello. Robin. It's it's a meter, but it's an ometer. And I ran it, and Sherry was on last week, and she was on two weeks before and three weeks before. So uh, I've estimated that there are 13.9732 people in the world who don't remember you, Sherry. And that's a tusk tusk on them, really their loss. I, I like to pop in. I know? know you do. So why don't you refresh their memory and tell them who you are and Let's talk a little bit about your early retail experience at a contemporary woman's clothing store with shoes. I want to know about the shoes. Sherry, reintroduce okay. yourself and welcome back. Go ahead. Hey, everybody. I'm Sherry Ann Meyer, and uh, my job is with Rising as a head of corporate communications, and I was an HR tech leader in, before I came here. Um, but my very one of my very first jobs was working in retail uh, at a place called Pants Place Plus. It was a division of Canadian Furs, if any of you remember that. It was very contemporary women's style clothing at the time, and I I just always wanted to work in a store like that. It was great fun. I loved it. I loved doing the styles. I loved coaching the sales associates, putting models, live models out in front of the store. I really did love it until the hours got miserable. Um, and then I moved into HR and then further on to was drafted to, to implement SAP in 1998 to 1989. And uh, the rest is history. Um, but my family are also essential workers, as we call them, um, during the, the COVID experience. Um, so I have that experience too with um, two of my daughters work in um Wawa, which is a retail, con if you're on the East Coast, you know it. Mm -hmm. It's a convenience store and gas station. Um, and another one works in a, my boyfriend works in a grocery store. So they were all working all through COVID. So much for the retail keeping on going and keeping keeping the economy going and people getting what we need. Except, uh, did anybody know that during the during the height of the pandemic or the the depth of the pandemic, I should say, when we couldn't get toilet paper, we couldn't get paper towels, we couldn't get paper goods, we also couldn't get yeast for baking bread. That's and true. I, re I remember because yes. I wanted to bake some challah and I needed a couple packets of yeast, and yep. I found out I think it was a hundred dollars for three packets probably like a black market buy on Amazon if you could even find it. I didn't I wasn't aware of that. Nobody was talking about it, but bread bakers were having a problem getting the raw raw materials that made the bubbles. Because everybody bread. was baking bread. My daughter started yes. making sourdough bread during that time too. And I was doing it too, but I failed miserably. I'm best behind a keyboard, I think. I'll I'll send you my challah recipe. It's not it's fail proof and it's lovely. You you can braid it any way you want, Sherry. So thank you all for the intros. Uh, now we're going to go to the part of the show where my guests have graciously sent me a fictional quote from a character in a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that has nothing to do with retail, ERP, and AI or machine learning, and they're going to relate it to the topic. So Robin Barrett Wilson, in your own words, here's the quote you sent me. Let me give a little background. The quote is from Catherine Parker, played by the lovely Sigourney Weaver, the movie Working Girl. 
1988 American romantic comedy drama film. And Robin, when they uh, they classify a movie as a comedy drama, it gets hyphenated. But if they classify it as anything to do with sci-fi or adventure, there are no hyphens. I've always been amazed by that. I don't understand it. Working right. Girl, directed by the wonderful Mike Nichols, and it stars Harrison Ford, Sigourney Weaver, Melanie Griffith, Alec Baldwin, Joan Cusack, Philip Bosco, Jack Grenier, uh, Zach Grenier, and Nora Dunn. Is there a better cast than that? An ambitious secretary from Staten Island, and that's supposed to have some kind of clout that she's from Staten I'm a New Yorker, and oh my God, she's from Staten Island. Over, she takes over her boss's role because her boss goes skiing and breaks her leg, and the secretary who attends business light school has great ideas. She pitches an idea, and the boss takes credit. So Melanie Griffith says, I'm going to wear your clothes. I'm I'm going to cut my hair and I'm going to go ahead with the idea. Anyway, working girl, fabulous movie. And here we go. The quote Robin has picked is you don't get anywhere in this world by waiting for what you want to come to you. You make it happen. I love that. Robin, what does that have to do with our topic? Retail the future. Yeah. You know, I think what it really has to do with is, uh, you know, don't wait around, right? It's, it's, you got to take some risks. And especially when, you know, the topic of AI, I think there have been lots of retailers who have been sitting on the sidelines, kind of watching and waiting to see what are the big ones going to do? You know, what's Walmart going to do? What's, uh, you know, um, what's Nike going to do? And they are doing things, right? But I, for me, it's don't want, wait and watch, right? So go ahead and jump in jump in maybe small and start to test it out, but don't wait because if you do, you're going to miss the wait. So that's really what I thought about when I picked that. I will also tell you that no matter what day it is, what time, if that movie is on television, I stop everything to watch it. It is my all-time favorite. And Mine she, too. <laughs> yeah, she is the classic mean boss, right? We've all had one. So oh, yeah. yeah. I, when you said, I, you know, you were looking for a quote, I'm like, I know what movie I'm going to. So it, but is that it, the one? I is think it really no. does. Melanie it does Griffith relate to the whole subject of don't wait, jump right in. Let's give it a shot. Let's try it out. You can, you know, you can, you can um, be cautious about the risk, but you should take a risk. Don't wait yeah. around. Robin, who makes it happen? <laughs> I make it happen, That's right? That's right. There you go. There you go. Is that right. the one where Melanie Griffith is vacuuming? She's in the hall. Yes, vacuum. it is. Oh, yes. oh, I remember that yeah. scene. We won't She's go drinking with. the whiskey at the big Randy event. Randy might remember that scene, ball. too. Yeah. By the way, Robin, are you finding laggards in retail today about experimenting or, shall we say, dipping their toe in the water of AI and machine learning? Are there companies that are saying, oh, no, we couldn't possibly. Oh, that's way too. Oh, no. Are there? Are they all you're recommending grab the bull by the horns and go ahead with it? There are, are laggards. There are laggards. I think it's pretty typical that we always do find laggards, but um, you know they are those who are winning are grabbing the bull by the horns, and they're they are embracing and they are trying to figure out what does the business plan look like. How do I insert this into the customer experience? How do I insert this into the supply chain? How do I make jobs better and easier? You know, how do I refine processes? Uh, you know, uh, and and we all know that anybody who's implementing SAP has AI and machine learning embedded. So, you know, by focusing on those business processes to really streamline what's going on day in and day out, your your employees then can focus on the things that give them the big ROI. They're not focusing on these mundane tasks, things that that you know just should happen automatically and get through the process. They're able to really shift their work and focus on things that gonna gonna bring it bring the organization the biggest bang for the buck. Thank you. Good overview. Appreciate that. I had to ask about the movie, too. I remember it well. Let's go to Randy Evans. Randy, you picked a quote from Brain Damage from English rock band Pink Floyd's 1973 album, The Dark Side of the Moon. It was sung, Brain Damage was sung by Roger Waters with harmonies by David Gilmore. Gilmore sang it on tour. Um <laughs> It, it was in memory, basically, of the Pink Floyd frontman, Sid Barrett, who had a problem with mental instability, and he went downhill over the years. And there are lines in the song that refer to his decline. So here's the quote Randy has picked, and I can't wait to hear how you're related to Rehail, Randy. This is going to be interesting. The lunatic is in the hall. The paper holds their folding faces to the floor, and every day, the paper boy brings more. Talk about the dark side. Uh -huh. Oh, my. Randy, I'll let you get away with this. So tell us what the hell this I'm sorry, what the heck this means to our topic. So first of all, I am the biggest, most avid Pink Floyd fan in the world. And when you, anybody asks me for a quote, 
I have a plethora of things to to choose from. I chose this one because I, I, Robin and I have done a lot of work together over the past, I don't know, five years, Robin, four years. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Yeah. And the last year and a half um, has been an onslaught of, of, I'll call it, borderline lunacy. Um, it's true. <laughs> I have been to many conferences, NRF, FMI Midwinter, Marilla Supply, I mean, you name the conference. And at those conference, I I sit in the audience and listen to somebody telling everybody that they need to embrace AI, machine learning. Um, and and I, I come back and talk to business leaders and I can just hear the conversation before I get there. And the conversation is, I was at this conference and we need to get some AI. And and they come to us and go, what do you, you know, what is your opinion? And I'm trying not to say SAP, but I'll say at this time, what is SAP's view of AI? And um and we smile knowingly and say, funny you ask. Um our solutions have had AI embedded in them for 20 years. Um, we, we, we pride ourselves in bringing automation to business processes, allowing technology to facilitate business processes in ways that would allow, Robin just mentioned it, the user to focus on the things that are bringing value to the company and not on the things that, that they shouldn't be thinking about. I had a business leader when I was at HEB that would say, at HEB, we think too much about breathing. And we need to stop thinking about breathing and start thinking about ways for us to do things that are going to make an impact on our business. And, I, and that quote basically says, this is not new. Um, if you guys remember back about five or seven or 10 years ago, the big data conversation was brought and in fact I mentioned it in some of the things we talked about we had a CEO at one of our companies come back to the folks and say we need some big data um, because somebody told them at a conference that that they needed some big data <laughs> so my message is this is not new um, artificial intelligence is spectacular but it's not an easy button and and you've got to make sense out of it. You got to, it's got to bring business value. So if you're not taking that context, then you're laying on the side of, well, maybe this is too strong, but I'll say it anyway because we're supposed to be controversial here. You're on your border. You're a borderline lunatic if you haven't figured that out. Nice tie into the song lyric, Randy. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> it's perfectly <laughs> fine. Thank you. Very interesting. Yes, use cases. What is it going to do for the business? Why should we? Why shouldn't we? How will we? When will we? Could we? Should we? And wow, we wish we'd done it sooner, right? That's yeah. that's what probably is going to happen with a lot of companies. Yes. Thank you very much, Randy. Interesting quote. Sherry Ann. Oh, my goodness. Sherry Ann sent a quote from Finch, played by Tom Hanks. I had trouble. I read the whole synopsis of the movie. I'm still confused. Uh, and Jeff is played by Caleb Landry-Jones. And Goodyear is a dog, played by Seamus. Finch is a 2021 post-apocalyptic survival film. An aging man named Finch is a survivor in a now nearly uninhabitable Earth. That means no shopping, Robin. Who builds and teaches a robot to take care of his dog when he dies. Fifteen years have passed since a massive solar flare destroyed the ozone layer, turning Earth into a largely uninhabitable wasteland ravaged by extreme weather, scorched by the sun's ultraviolet rays. I won't even give you the numbers of the of the temperatures. Uh, Finch lives alone with his dog Goodyear and a helper robot named Dewey in an underground St. Louis or St. Louis lab. Once owned by the company he worked for, he ventures out wearing a protective suit to search for supplies, and he's dying from an ailment. We don't know what it is. He's creating a more advanced human robot companion to take care of his dog once he's gone and he's feeding volumes of encyclopedia knowledge including a manual for training and caring for dogs and they name the robot jeff so here's the line sherry has picked finch says hey 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 what's going on with all this fuss and jeff the robot says do i have to do a robot voice sherry do i have to 
Should I try? I'd like to. I think you could. Okay. I thought our communications might improve if I learned to talk dog. I have made a comparative analysis. I believe I have isolated several robot phonetic units. However, it seems to have misunderstood everything I have said. What is the matter with it, Finch? I hope that was good. And Finch says, it's not an it, it's a him. There's no such thing as dog talk. <laughs> oh, oh my, you made me do it. I've never done computer voices. That was good. That was good. Thank you. Thank you. So go ahead, unravel this for us, please. Well, I, I, if you ever get a chance to watch the movie, it's on Apple TV. I do love the movie. The second time through was better. Um, I, first of all, I think it's really interesting that um, Finch is the human's name and Jeff is the robot's name. But what to me, it's like you can't ignore the fundamentals. Like he built this thing, he built this robot, and he had to teach it every single thing, um, including like it's a dog and it is not an it, it you know. Every nuance of language and human capability, he was teaching this dog. And what's really interesting is that by the end of the movie, the robot and he are friends. He builds such a human relationship with this robot. Um, so I won't tell you any more because I don't want to spoil the whole thing. But um, data has to be very accurate, what you're putting into it. We've talked a lot about this in the last couple of shows, Bonnie, garbage in, garbage out. Um, yep. And yeah. Finch had all the time in the world though, to train that robot. He was the only He's, man left. Said there's nothing, there is no such thing as dog talk. So what we're talking about today is a, such a thing as AI retail talk. Mm. Ah, mm. I had to say something profound. I had to pro say something profound, Robin, as the host, they expect <laughs> me to do that. Uh, so thank you all for the quotes. Very, very interesting, very provocative, all three of you. We're going to go to the roundtable now. You've each sent me four discussion statements. I'm picking one from each of you. We're going to spark a roundtable here. So Robin, I have put the one I picked for you into the chat for you privately. I'm going to read it. It's short and sweet. Robin's going to unpack it for about three minutes. Uh, and again, I'm not clocking you. It's just approximately. And then I'm going to go to Randy. Randy. Uh, agree or disagree with Robin once she does the unpacking. And then Sherry, agree or disagree with either Robin or Randy. That's up to you. Randy, then I'll pick one of your statements. I'll put it in the chat for you. You'll unpack it. And then Sherry sitting next to you, Robin will be third on that one. And then we'll do one for Sherry. That's how it works. So here Too we many go. instructions, Bonnie. I know. I know. I just want, well, we didn't have a prep call for Robin and Randy. So I want them to know what they got themselves into. And so far, they seem to be enjoying it. So here we go. Robin said the following. One is the accuracy of AI algorithms in predicting customer preferences and trends. Although AI can analyze vast amounts of data, it struggles to capture the nuances of individual tastes. Oh, yes. Robin, unpack, please. Yeah. So, you know, I think that, uh, you know, it's really jumping off of what Terry Ann just said, right? It, it, and the quote, it's, we can have lots of data, we can analyze all this data, but if we really don't understand what the customer really wants and really have a good understanding of what their likes and dis dislikes are and how do they want to be spoken to, what does personalization mean for the individual, uh, you know, all of those things will be lost because we'll continue to have hundreds of emails in our inbox and we'll continue to delete them because we won't open to them because they won't be relative, right? It won't be relevant and we won't we won't have a commitment to the brand. So, you know, brands still have to take a step back. They still have to think about what's their three-legged stool? What do they mean to their customer? What are they trying to deliver to the customer? What kind of value are they delivering? What kind of designs are they delivering? I mean, we can pick any kind of part of the vertical, right? Whether we're talking about food, whether we're talking about fashion, whatever it is, we're talking about DIY, Who's the customer? What do they want? How do they want to be spoken to? And what does it mean to have a personalized experience? And if you don't have that personalized experience, it will get lost and you'll lose that customer. And I think that's something that COVID showed us. Uh, you know, if it wasn't on the shelf, I mean, I can go right to even toilet paper. Charmin's my favorite. It wasn't on the shelf. I tried another brand. Oh, lo and behold, I like that brand. I stayed with it right? Because now it was reliable. Now it was something that I could, uh, I could be sure that was there for me. So I continue to go towards it. Uh, you know, so customers are definitely moving in and out of what brand they want to be loyal to. And so 
you know, again, garbage in, garbage out. We've talked about that already. We've stepped on it a little bit. Uh, I think that if if brands really want to uh, capture that customer, keep that customer, be true to the customer, they have to be sure that there's personalizing, there is customer trust, that that customer has a lot of um, um, connection with the brand and understands how's my data being used, when when is it being used? How are they using it? Is it safe? Is it secure? And then are you personalizing your your offers and your communications to me? And that's really what it means. That's really what I'm I, when I think about adopting technology, we cannot lose the whole the whole point that customers are humans and we have to think about what they really want. We want to be known. We want, we want to be known. Our known, values, seen, yeah. heard, valued. Exactly. Yes, yep. exactly. Randy, let's jump in here. Anything well, you want to say to? to uh, yeah, I, I agree 100% with what Robin had to say. I'll ask a question. If you compare um, the an exceptional customer experience that you had, in-store, um, whatever, with an exceptional experience you had with a chatbot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, don't Probably get us started. <laughs> yes, Randy. <laughs> You're right, Randy. There's no doubt about it. It's very true. So, I think companies have a tendency to, I'll say, err on the side of accounting. Um, and they they go to the chat bot and they go, wow, there's no, there's no personal, there's no healthcare, there's no uh, vacation time. They like calculate all the value in the context of an accounting view of business and not in a view of a personalized experience. Not that you should, you should always try to eliminate administrative tasks from the, 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 the content that people have, but never, ever at the experience of the cu customer's relationship with you. And we can go, we can infuse chatbots in everything that we do, because that chatbots are the epitome of AI. And we're going to lose the customer, because it is a terrible experience. Mm -hmm. Yep, I don't think anybody's disagreeing with that. Sherry, yeah. join us with comment on Robin and or Randy, go ahead. Uh, well, both very interesting commentary, and I agree. Um, the data is everything. But I think what we're seeing is, in fact, my own behavior would dictate that I don't respond as much to AI recommendations. Um, and I'm not sure why that is personally for me, but I know for others, um, it's really they feel like it's an intrusion of their privacy, like maybe Alexa was listening to me. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of talk about that now. So how much is my data protected is very, very, very concerning to a lot of people today. Uh, and also, the, you know, to your point, Robin, sometimes it's just not really personalized. What does personalized right. mean? Um, and here's another thing, especially when I'm looking at fashion, um, I probably don't want you to suggest things for me. I want to see something new. So I'm not sure that suggestions via AI based on what I've done in the past are always worthwhile. It does work for me, however, for my grocery shopping. There you go. Robin, you started yeah. this good, good opening statement. Robin, anything you want to say back to your co-panelists? Yeah, you know, I think I think we're all on the same page with this. I, you know, I will say, and I think both of both of my panelists, co-panelists, will agree. There are times when a chatbot does make sense. Yes. There are times when AI does make a lot of sense. I think, as Randy just pointed out, when it goes too far is when the experience starts to drop off. So, you know, I don't think the three of us are sitting here saying, don't adopt AI and don't adopt chatbots. We're not saying that. What we're saying is there's got to be a mechanism in there where that chatbot understands once you get to the second question or the third question, mm -hmm. now we need a human, right? Now right. something needs to kick off that that human being steps in so that that experience now becomes elevated. Because there are times where, you know, a chatbot is okay with me. I'll ask one or two questions and off I go and I've gotten my answer. But can it identify when it's time for that human being to step in? When when does it then become a time where, okay, 
I've got to get personalized. I have to talk to Robin with another person to get to the answer that uh, she needs. And that that's really what I'm advocating for is let's use the technology in, in a thoughtful way so right. that it enhances what's happening with the customer experience and doesn't hinder it. Yeah, I think, Robin, if you build like the the upfront, use the best data you can and insights you can from qualitative research, build that into the chatbot up front, the faster you can get the answer for the person, the faster you can identify that I'm going to lose this person if I don't get a human on the line right now. That's the key. Right. Absolutely. 100%. How many times have any of you, either of you, any of you asked a chatbot on a, on a website are you a human? Is there a human there? Because I do that on a regular <laughs> basis. Are you human? No, I'm Bob. I'm your chatbot. I'm all AI. Yes, I'm Mary. Happy to say, talk to you. Let me know what I can do for you. I'm curious because sometimes it's almost good enough to be a human, but I want the human if it's not. So I, I would ask the question. Anyway, thank you, Robin. That was a great starter. Let's go around the table. Randy, I picked statement number three for you. Let's get the word ERP in there. You say, in the new world of retail, Foundational technologies like ERP must deliver concepts like AI and machine learning as a part of what they do without any user interaction. Randy, can you pick this apart for us, please unpack? Yeah, so that's the, 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 the concept here is, if you think about foundational technologies, um, master data, uh, costing, retail pricing, we're, and I'm taking this from a retail context because there's different you know, needs in other industries. But from a retail perspective, there's this list of things that you have to have to run your business. It's foundational. Um, in order to deliver that in a pristine, precise, I'll say perfect way, um, there, are, there are concepts that allowing a technology, AI, ML, um, to do that work for you, there's incredible benefit um, because those technologies aren't going to compromise the concept of data integrity. Um, Sherry mentioned data, right? Um, the, the Basically, AI, ML, they're all algorithms, right? They're math problems. They're, they're a string of written um, code that executes, and their inputs... Um, are always data elements, whether it's a, a number or a context, but they're, they're all things that have to be perfect for that algorithm to generate the right answer. And if you, if you hand a piece of paper to one clerk or another clerk, and you ask them to fill it out with the master data needed to, to build an item in a retail system, they would they would get 80% of it right, 90% of it right, and there would be 10% of it that there would be potential errors. But because it's a human, they're going to put those errors into the system, mm -hmm. right? And when those errors get into the system, the algorithm is then immediately wrong. Now, maybe not 100% wrong or 80% wrong or whatever, but there are some element of it being wrong. And once that element is wrong, then it just exacerbates itself. And the next thing you know, you have an invalid or a, a, a less than great experience, either predictive or whatever, you, but you got bad master data. So asking machine learning and artificial intelligence to manage administrative tasks like the input and management of master data in an ERP system, that's, that's, that's a, yes, we need to do that because they're not going to compromise. Those algorithms do what they're told. They don't have, they, they do what they're told. That's what they do. Um, but what it also does is it says, I'm going to lift my people up from administrative work, let the technology do the work, and then I'm going to ask them to work on the value side of the equation. I'm going to ask them to find additional value in the context of what I'm trying to accomplish. What does an ERP system do? It tracks inventory, it tracks master data, it facilitates the rest of the business processes. I want my people focusing on those things and not thinking about things like master data, right? So the, 
the way it works, it can't be a button. I can, I'm not going to go press my AI button and get something. And I know Chat GPT, Bonnie, you mentioned it at the beginning. You had it write stuff. Here's the problem with Chat GPT. It'll make crap up for you. It won't tell you the truth. And you won't know it's not telling you the truth. Because it's wading through eons and eons of data, inaccurate data on the internet. So the, the point really is make the, ask the technology, kind of like the old uh, Robert F. Kennedy or John F. Kennedy statement, ask not what you, you know, I'm going to screw it up, but you know what, what I'm talking about. Ask the technology to do for you what it should and, and let your people do what they should. And don't confuse the two. Thank you. Interesting. Sherry, commentary, go ahead. I think um, it, lots of comments, but the, the comment about, you know, moving on to value added jobs is something we hear a lot and something I think most employees are probably a little suspicious of. Um, but if you look back to an old, old, old example, the automated teller machines, we thought there weren't going to be tellers. But what it did was there are more and more branches of banks open now and those tellers I don't even think we should call them tellers anymore because they're selling services and more products for the banks. They're not just divvying out cash. Um, so that is a, one example where definitely that the job changed over time and we still have that position. Um, the question in my mind always is, did the pay raise for those tellers since they're doing higher value added work? That would be an interesting study. Something to be studied. Yes. Robin, well, join us. The way I, I thought a lot about this, because I, I work in the grocery industry, which is notorious right. for trying to eliminate labor um, at the expense of customer service. Right. Mm -hmm. And and the the way you you know, the, the way to look at that, that that value added job is there becomes a value added expectation. Right. Instead of we're going to pay you 10 bucks an hour to go key items into the new system. Um, we're going to pay you $15 an hour and the, the dollars per hour is not the point. It's, mm -hmm. it's the relative nature of that work. And with an expectation that the content you produce is much more valuable to me right. and I can correlate real benefits to it. Right. Thank you. Robin, Robin, join us. What yeah. do you think? So, so, you know, fashion has a little bit of a different twist, right? So when you think about fashion, it's about the brand, right? So you identify with the brand. So, you know, if you, you want to be what the brand emulates. So a chatbot has a really hard time representing a brand, right? I mean, how do you walk into the store and, hey, I'm going to interact with a hologram? Well, how does that represent my brand? So, you know, I think fashion has to be really careful. They have to be very, very careful because those of us who identify with a brand and we love a brand, we represent that brand and our employees represent the brand. When you go into a store and you work with a sales associate in a store, that person, you probably want to dress like them. You want to wear the same outfits. You you want to represent. Uh, and if they brand, look good in it. If they look good in it, Rob. If they look good in it. That's true. If they look good. <laughs> in it. Um, you can also get a few ideas of what not to wear, right? So, um, but I think, you know, it's really hard for AI to take the place of what does a brand really mean? Uh, and so, you know, I also think just like grocery uh, and the food business, it, fashion does try to figure out how to eliminate roles and try to save money and how can they run a store with the fewest amount of people, all those types of things. And so, you know, again, you still have the same, you have the same challenge and, you know, I, I continue to go back to COVID, but it really did set the stage when everybody, you know, the big resignation, right? So brands were really scrambling. How do I get somebody in the store who's going to represent who we are to and and really do a great job with it? So, uh, you know, I think it's important for brands to think about who they are and how they represent themselves and what does that mean for them in when they're in front of the customer. Thank you. 
I've always wondered about the trickle down from the mission statement of the company, the branding down to that checker, that clerk, that door greeter, that floor person who's doing inventory. How polite are they to customers? How well informed are they? How willing to help? And it's always interesting to me to see that they didn't, many of them just don't get that they represent the brand. They're the face, they're the hands, they're the voice of the brand. And nobody told them that. Oh, I have to do this job. I wish I was doing something else. I wish I wasn't here. And that gets expressed to the customer. And that's not good. That's a lesson that I think never got taught. Randy, I'm not going to come back to you to unwrap this because we spent a lot of time on it and I've got about seven minutes left and I want to cover one statement from Sherry. So forgive me for that. But I think we had a good conversation. Sherry wants to talk a little more about employee retention. She says it's not all about the technology. One of her favorite reminders, automation and retail help store associates place more emphasis on building relationships with the customers. And those relationships are obviously critical for loyalty. However, we have to answer the employee's Obvious question, W-I-I-F-M, what's in it for me? The challenge is to provide a workplace that gives something back to the employees, develops the employees to increase retention. Sherry, two minutes, go for us. Oh, God, it's just exactly what we were just talking about, right? Um, and I think some places do this really, really well. And I hate to go back to my Wawa example, but they do it really, really well. And even there, um, they it, not all employees they're 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 getting paid 15 bucks an hour they don't all really care about um being nice to a customer when the customer's being mean to them that's a really hard equation whoever seeing you're seeing on the storefront is really making impression to you is the store um it's going to make a difference whether you go back into that outlet again or not it does for me uh and that is the most valuable thing you can have is a motivated employee who not only knows your brand, but cares about your brand. So how do you make people care? You have to give them a career path. Turnover in retail, we all worked in retail. It's 75%. Um, And especially for women with children. I mean, I don't, we juggle daycare all the time for my daughter's children because it's a 24 hour operation. So if you don't, there's no daycares open 24 hour. So it retail is really, really challenging for, for women especially, and yet that's where a lot of women work. So that's one thing. But if you can give them something to hold on to, to develop, um, instead of making this just a stepping stone, develop their careers, help them have some career guidance, um, I think then it, you can have some really worthwhile and committed employees. Thank you. Committed employees. Uh, Robin, you're sitting next yeah. to Sherry right now. Go ahead. Totally agree. I, I then you know that's why I certainly stayed in retail as long as I did and and worked my way up. Uh, you know, it was all about you know how do I get to be a buyer? You know, how do I get to the next step in my career? And you know, I had I worked for brands that really supported that and uh, showed me the path to success. So I agree one hundred and ten percent. I think that's exactly what brands need to think about, especially since there is an uptick on opening stores and how are people you know, how are companies representing the brands? How do they find the right people to be in the stores? And then how do they take them to the next step so that they're committed to those brands? Lessen that turnover. And then you have a better customer experience, which of course then leads to more revenue. So it's interesting how it all connects and it all comes together. And it makes your employees, your evangelists, your advocates, your brand representatives, your your outspoken, yes, this is a good company to work for because that matters to a lot of people. Randy, join us. Two minutes. What do you think? So I had an incredible experience the last two weeks. Um, I um, I bought a new iPhone. Let's put it that way. Actually, I bought two of them. I bought my wife one. I bought myself one. Uh, My wife transitioned from an Android device back to the iPhone. Um, And I, I just needless to say, I got, I got, a, I got in trouble with my passcode. Um, <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and I, uh, I can give you the, I don't have time to tell you what happened. We can but all relate. Needless we to can say, all relate. To, Absolutely. I had to relate. go to the, I, the Apple store to, um, to get it fixed. And I was dreading it because, you know, the lines, the, 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 the appointments, and I did have to sit in on the uncomfortable little cube and wait longer than I really wanted to. But when I got my Apple store rep, this guy knew every single stupid mm-hmm. thing that I did wrong. And, and, the, the and within 
10 minutes, I was up and running. My phone was working. My wife's phone was working. It was spectacular. And they don't call the genius bar for nothing. That's right. Not just him, though. I started to, you know, obviously, you know, I'm I'm on the lookout for good stuff. Um, He had every tool he needed. He had a he had a, his Mac. He had a point of sale device. He didn't need to check inventory. He didn't need to. They, they don't do any. I mean, it was just. And I, then I started watching all the other reps. They had two people that were running inventory, right? That there's no inventory out there. It's just a representative inventory. Yes. It was it was incredible. And I walked out the door going, well, I I just got a lesson. Um, first of all, don't screw up your device when you set it up. Um, but secondly, when when you t- put the customer first in every single thing that you do, we call it customer adaptive retail at SAP. Um, you're if you always do that in everything that you do, whether it's inventory management. Uh, 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 you know, you mentioned, Bonnie, I think it was you mentioned, that you know, counting inventory. Well, don't count inventory. Make the technology count the inventory. You don't need a person to do that. Yep. But you do need a person to to, to convince me that I'll never, I, my next device will be an Apple device because they did an incredible, and that's not available, like that, that experience, it's pretty rare. I don't, you don't run into that everywhere. It's true. But that was spectacular. We have one have minute right left. One minute left. Sherry, wrap up for me. Go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. They have the right combination of Apple of technology and people. And that's what's yep. important, getting that right. And Randy, yep, and your then. experience in an Apple store is not unusual and it's not rare. No. And that's why they're one of the most beloved, cherished, and respected brands in the it's world. And that's why we love it. Down from the, the black turtleneck to the white packaging, everything says, I want to make an impact on you. I want to make things better in your life. And I'm here for you. Yeah, yes, right. yes, yes. And I've had Mac geniuses on the phone helping me unravel some hacking on my Mac two years ago. And the woman was a genius. She was 27. Yeah. She had more knowledge than everybody I'd ever met in the, in the the world. And she was assigned to me to help with a difficult problem. And it was two hours on the phone and she cracked all the codes that were cracking up my Mac. So I want to thank you. I want to play the outro in a second. But Robin Barrett Wilson, it has been a real pleasure getting to know you. Thank you for your wisdom. The red hair, I, what can I say? It's just thank you, Bonnie. Great to be to here. Me. Thank you. Randy Evans, wonderful to reconnect with you. It's been years. And Sherry Ann, come back anytime. Sherry is the co producer, Sherry and Hannah Hale at Rising do a wonderful job. And thank you to Aaron, our engineer. And I'm going to play the outro. Let's see if I can get this to work. So listen up. Thanks again for tuning in to Rising Evolution, the future-proofed enterprise with Rising, a Wipro company. Rising enables you to create your business journey your way with SAP technology. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag R-I-Z-I-N-G. That's Rising with a Z. Please join us again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively evolving week.